the podcast for the inquisitive diver. G'day, dive buddies, and welcome to the show. We're recording remotely today due to uh, our friend Rona being in town, so I do apologise if the sound quality is a little bit down. Nevertheless, I thought it was about time that we had a good catch-up with Sea Shepherd's Lisa Rebeck and everybody's favourite senior travel editor, Don Silcock. Gang, welcome back to the show. How are you going? Hello. How hey. are we all, gang? Back together. Yeah, here we go again. <laughs> back, <laughs> back together virtually. <laughs> virtually, yeah. Yeah, surviving, trying to be positive around this time, trying to catch up with all the things that you don't get to do. That's that's what I've been up to. Yeah. Have you, Don? Yeah, the seventh week of uh, of lockdown. What can you say? Have you have you pulled a, what's left of your hair out yet? No. Well, <laughs> thinking about it, but uh, you know, I'm trying to save it for a rainy day. <laughs> yeah. Well, you've you've been uh, you've been catching up on your your photo library though, haven't you? Yeah, it's uh, I guess being uh, being locked down gives you a chance to uh, to catch up with the things that you never seem to get around to doing. Uh, the thing is, when you when you're into um, underwater photography as kind of heavily as I am, you and you're doing trips, you build up a lot of stuff that you perhaps you know you should you should spend a lot more time reviewing, but. Other stuff comes and gets in the way, and articles and what have you, you know, comes up to, uh, that you just never seem to get around. And it's quite surprising uh, when you do manage to get some quality time. Uh, what's there? So yeah, I've uh, I've been uh, putting a lot of time into that, and also my editing skills. Uh, I've done a couple of uh, online courses uh, to basically to keep, <laughs> to keep me sober <laughs> keep the- and to keep me sane. Yeah. Let's not, <laughs> let's not forget that, Don, you've just come back from an amazing holiday where we've all been um, stuck in here. I mean, and as we speak, I'm meant to be at Lady Elliot Island, so um slightly jealous of you. Well, um, What's it all? Well, you know, I, I, I hesitate, hesitate to say so you should be, but it was good. <laughs> um, yeah, I've been spending a, a quite a bit of time, but basically, you know, because we can't travel overseas, I... Uh, I resorted to my bucket list, my Australian bucket list, and uh, top of that is South Australia. So you know, there's quite a lot of, of stuff I wanted to do down there. So I've, I've done uh, several trips uh, over the last since about November last year. That's okay. Uh, just r- rub it in, mate. Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's just uncomfortable. No trauma. No trauma. Yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, uh, unfortunately, I got caught a couple of times with uh, with lockdowns. Uh, the uh, the First time when South Australia went into lockdown, while I was underwater, actually, and I come up, it got into lockdown, and uh, that was at Edithburg. And uh, the last time was just this last trip. I uh, I was at Wyala for the giant cuttlefish when uh, the Delta uh, variant took off in Sydney, and I managed to get back on the Friday night straight straight you know into lockdowns like seven weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I had a great time down there. I, it, it's an interesting place. It's um, the, the only negative is it's cold, and it, it can be strenuous as well because it's uh, shore diving, and you've got to carry all your gear, and you're wearing all your, you know, all the weights and all the rest of it. But uh, mm. yeah, I, I, I really enjoy it down there. I've made some good friends down there. Love going there. Yeah, you seem to have a little addiction to the place, that's for sure. How about you, Lisa? You've been uh, you've been getting your fins wet at all? Unfortunately, no, mm. no, not at all. Um, would really like to. It's still really cold, but. Um, been really busy, to be honest, but that is no excuse at all. So um, 
hoping to get into the water. So I know you and you and Jazz are also keen. So let's um, let's make it happen soon. Yeah. Um, I've I've got my heated vest. Um, I know Don, you were telling me about your amazing heated vest. Yeah. Um, which you know I think I got the name of it wrong. It's actually thermulation. What were you calling so it? I think. Oh, what was it? a thermal? What were you calling it, Don? You were saying. Well, I, I had a look at the label this morning. Yeah. Again, uh, and it says Lucian L U T I O N thermal thermulution. Yeah, so thermulution. So I I was saying it wrong. In I think fact, <laughs> he's, got, he's got it there. Look. <laughs> in fact, I just packed it up in my little. <laughs> now, now this one's here, somewhere in here. Wow, that's all new. My one's like four years old now. I've had mine for a long time. I think that Thermulution yeah. needs to send me a new one. I keep saying their name. <laughs> you need to get the name right. <laughs> if, you're, if you're going to try and target companies for sponsorship, you need to get the name of it right here. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, uh, it's, it's a bit, it's one of those life changing things. I, I, I don't do the cold very well. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, me either. Quite, I normally, you know, I normally live in Bali uh, in pre-COVID times and do a lot of um, warm water diving, tropical diving, which I love. But it, it's, you know, it doesn't have the uh, things that temperate water diving has. And when you, you know, get get back into temperate water diving, obviously the first thing you notice is the temperature. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I, I just it just elevates me. I I I, I get cold. My body. Core body temperature was down, and it's it's uh, it's not pleasant. So, um, even using a dry suit, I, uh, you know, I still get cold. So, but, but this is just fantastic. It's um, you know, it gets a continuous flow of heat into you and keeps you warm. It just makes all the difference between a you know a, a good dive and a great dive, yeah. basically. So you stay in there you've got it. the latest version. You've only just bought that, haven't you? Yeah, I bought it. Uh, I bought it for the Wyala trip because okay. I knew it was going to be cold. It's thirty. It was thirteen degrees so at the time. How, how many dives have you done in that one now? Then uh, I did about about fourteen dives that way. So yeah, mm. you know, about fourteen, fifteen dives. Oh, I've done. I've done some here in Sydney, in Clifton Gardens, and a few other places. So I've probably done about twenty dives in it now, and uh, there's, there's no going back. <laughs> <laughs> once you've uh, you felt the the warmth and got used to that it's um there's just no going back yeah so and we, we worked out the other day that you've actually both got the same brand haven't you we do but i've just got the older version so i've got the actual cord that pokes up outside right. so it controls the remote control but don's got a remote control like a wireless hold, one hold on yeah. so the, your your vest has um a cable between the control and the vest itself or yeah. is it uh, yeah so it's constantly connected constantly connected and you have to, to the controller pull yeah. it through the top of your neck yeah which you know with a dry suit you just couldn't use yeah yeah and then don's got the upgraded version now that's that's wireless yeah yeah so the, the, the new ones the plus or something it's called um has better batteries that give you longer life and the batteries are in like velcro pouches that you can position mm. um where you know there's like a velcro patch that runs down the side mm. and you put the uh the velcro pouches uh with the batteries in and just make use the c-lock connectors so you can put them where 
they're most comfortable. Mm. I don't even notice them. They're, they're, they're quite slim. Really? And I, you know, you just don't notice them when you've got them on. Okay. Um, and then there's a transmitter and uh, you, you know, the wireless, it works underwater. Mm-hmm. So you, you just yeah, have it on a clip lock, a snap lock mm-hmm. uh, on my D-ring and it's, you turn it on. And as soon as you turn it on, uh, the buzzer goes off on the back of the vest that tells you, okay, it's on. Right. And then, if, you know, you press it once more, that's level one and two and three and so on. Mm. Uh, there's three levels. And um, at the highest level, it lasts, I don't know, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I've not run out of battery yet. Okay. I, I was doing two dives, two long dives uh, per day down at Wyala, And um, I, I didn't run out of battery. Yeah. And is that's yours it. the same as well then, Lisa? Do you get long dives? Well, the original battery that it came with would get a dive and a half, so I had to buy the upgraded battery, which was a lot thicker, and it's only in one position, so you don't get a choice like the newer ones. Yeah. yeah. Hence, I need a new one, Lucian. <laughs> so I need to test it out. It seems that they've listened to all the feedback and just continue to improve on their product, which is yeah. amazing. Yeah, well, I read the reviews of various um uh, people who uh, who had them, and uh, the 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 underway, underlying tw- trend was that they're reliable. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, they seem to have a good reputation for reliability. Yeah. Uh, they work, and uh, but then people said about you know, well, the battery life. You know, if you use them heavily, the you know, you might not get the second day. You get cold on the second day. Blah blah blah. And then uh, and also the the, the batteries could get in the way because there's only one place you could put them. Yeah. Sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, so they've, they've obviously listened to all that, and they've come up with this wireless device. And so uh, I went for it. It was, it was. You can still get the other one, the earlier version, mm. but I went for the more expensive one because I wanted to be able to use it with my semi-dry yeah. uh, and my dry suit. And it, in Wyala, I took both down. I, I took the semi-dry down and tried to use it, but it was just a bit too cold for me. Yeah. Uh, it was okay, but by you know the end of a two-hour dive in 13 degrees, I was, even with the, the vest and I was getting cold. Um, I'm not surprised, mate. the dry suit on, I was fine. Yeah. So I'd, I'd be, you know, I'd be up on the surface having a cup of tea 45 minutes before you even got to finish your two-hour <laughs> dive, I tell you. <laughs> I'd, I'd be in fetal position, just, you know, wishing the minutes away. <laughs> well, well, that's it, you see. I mean, it, <laughs> You're going somewhere. It's okay if you just do one dive locally. Yeah. It's not okay, you know, whatever you've been out. But if you're going on a trip, uh, so there's all the cost to get down there and accommodation, blah, 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 you know, so you want to get these images of the cuttlefish yeah. uh, or whatever. And uh, if you're cold, your brain doesn't work, so everything's too hard, and you think, oh, I'll go and join, I'll go and join Matt for a cup of tea on <laughs> <laughs> To be honest, there was a um, there was a guy on the on the boat when we did the, the Galapagos trip just before um, lockdown or just before COVID, and he was diving in a, a five mil uh, with a heated vest, and not once did he complain about getting cold. He was he was bob on all the way through the trip, regardless of where we were diving, yeah. which was pretty good. There's no there's just an all going back once you get used to the heat, yeah. um, you, you wouldn't. You wouldn't go back. And did you get yours from Abyss, Don? Yeah, yeah. I, I um, uh, they're one of the close to me down. Yeah. I, I, you know, being in Redfern. Well, here, so. Lisa flagged them up to me. Well, 
Christ, got to be a couple of months ago now. So my intention was there's a cycle shop down there that I go to, and I was going to pop into Abyss and uh, size them up for me and the missus, but clearly Rona has screwed those plans. But uh, we'll get down there at some point. Yeah, I believe they're the agent for them. They've got the, you know, the the distributor or the rep or whatever they are for them in Australia. Uh, And, you know, it's like 15 minutes from me. So um, I went down there. The guy Great staff there. Great staff at a bit. Yeah, it was really nice. He knew how to do it, and you know, he showed me how to use it, let me try it on, turn it on, all that stuff, and uh, um, <laughs> take my money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Here's my money. Take it. I don't care. Take it. It's well, I'm kind of getting prepared to get back in the water. Um, for people who might have missed it in previous episodes, I did damage myself and snap my hamstring, so I've been out of the water for. It's got to be eight weeks now um, which is torturous it's hellish to be honest but whilst waiting to get back in the water i did treat myself to a nice sexy little camera an m6 mark ii and yesterday not yesterday sorry the day before um was having a quick conflab with uh chris up at digital diver in cairns and i've ordered the underwater housings and ports so week and a half Yay. 10 12 days something like that i'll have my my uh, housing sorted and it'll be time to get back in the water and Excellent. it's only money matt it's uh, only money you know, I know. You don't need to, on else. to be honest it's gonna be very frustrating anyway it'd be great getting back in the water but i'm going from using a uh, a compact uh canon g7x mark ii which is effectively a point and shoot when you're looking in comparison to dslrs and mirrorless and now i've got mirrorless i'm going to be pulling a Libby Sterling and going underwater and getting one good shot out of 90, I think, for the first few weeks. At least you got one. It's always good to at least get one. Yeah. Just remember, Matt, the definition of success of a new with a new housing. Go on. It's uh, a dry camera on the first dive. <laughs> <laughs> That's success. Yeah, it's a fair point. <laughs> you, know, you, know, you, you won't be getting the front cover of National Geographic. <laughs> Uh, just now, just, you know, right away. So count success as a dry camera. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm just going to stick with my GoPro. I just, I love my GoPro. I've got the Hero, the Hero 7 and, it, yeah, it takes good videos. I just do the videos and I seem to be happy with them. It's it's good. It's got that stability control on it, which is really good. We kind of touched on this Fine. the other day. I mean, the, the GoPro... It hands down, it is the action camera to go to, isn't it? And that once they've gone into the, uh, like, say, the GoPro 7 and put in the auto stabilization, it's just a fantastic camera. You can't fault it. Yeah, absolutely. I do need the Hero 9, so GoPro. <laughs> <laughs> I'll test it out for you. Yeah. I think this is going to be an episode of Lisa trying to get as many sponsors as possible. Oh, it's so <laughs> shameless, isn't it? <laughs> Get in touch, sponsors. She'll probably try try and tell you a Sea Shepherd T-shirt as well at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Actually, I do have some new gear. I've got some new Sea Spiracy Sea Shepherd gear. Hey, before we talk about Sea Sea Spiracy, because I know Don's got a question on that one, but um, but let's just touch on the housings again, because you're you're on Nikon as as a camera, aren't you, Don? Yeah, uh, I've used Nikon uh, for a long time now. my first underwater camera, uh, I was thinking about after we talked the other day, uh, I bought it, <laughs> believe it or not, in uh, 1983, and that was a Nikonis uh, 3. 
okay. uh, with uh, 35 millimeter lens, and you had to have this um, exposure meter, underwater exposure meter, to because it's not like me; it was completely mechanical camera. Yeah. Uh, you had to guess the focus. It was a rangefinder, <laughs> so you had to guess the focus. You had to try and work out what the exposure was. Yeah, and um, it's no wonder, really, that you struggle to get any images of any kind you know it was really uh, really frustrating and uh, I, had, I went through the four and the five conices um, and then I went to when the housings really took off I uh, I housed my Nikon camera which was a Nikon 801 back then film camera yeah f801 and uh, but again you, you were if you got I got some good results, but the thing was, I didn't know why. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know how I got them, really, uh, because it could be weeks later when you get your uh, your, your slides back. Mm. You used to take slide films, uh, you know, uh, use slide film underwater then. Mm. And uh, why, I think, because that's what the professionals apparently use. I didn't know the difference between slide and, and uh, neck film there back then. And, uh, I mean, you could go on a trip. I never, never happened to me, but I've been on trips with people who did it and they came back with like 30, 35 rolls of film that they'd made the same mistake on every roll of film. Oh. And it was just a waste of time, you know. Uh, so bad it was. So when digital came out, I I you know, I went down that path and mm. uh, many thousands of dollars later yeah. <laughs> I'm still on it. But, uh, but yeah, the digital just um, it, it, it changed the game completely and yeah. um, and the the technology is so good now that um, I, I, you know, people say, "What, what, you know, what sort of camera should I get?" Well, for me, it doesn't really matter. Uh, I, I mean, I'm committed to Nikon because I've, I've got so much stuff. I'm, I get an uh, <laughs> and invite to the annual dinner down, so I've spent that much money with them, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the the thing is, um, you know, because I am I'm in that ecosystem as such, you know, and I've got all these all this Nikon stuff, which I also use for landscape uh, photography. Mm. Um, but it doesn't really matter, in my opinion. The 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 Canons are great. The Sony's are great. Um, the Panasonic's are great. The Olympuses are good for you know for what they are. Very good for what they are. Yeah. So you, you you can't really go wrong. It's it's not the camera. It's you. Yeah. Oh, it's always uh, you's problem. You're you're the limiting factor, not the camera. Yeah. And oh, I think- what are you trying to say? I've 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 had such bad luck with cameras. You, know how many I've flooded. <laughs> how many have just broken on me? It must be me. <laughs> I, I, you, know, you, you know what the first rule of underwater photography is, Lisa. The first rule. No, if you I haven't don't. got a sense of humour, give it up. <laughs> because it's, it's not a question of when, of if you'll flood it. It's a question of when yeah. uh, you flood it uh, for most people. And and most people flood it. Uh, I, I've been on trips where I was like the camera guy on the on the trip in Indonesia, um, uh, in Rajarampa. I spent months up there doing this. And I, I, I could see very quickly who was going to flood. Yeah. You could see the way that people were putting the stuff together, the attention to detail that they weren't paying, that you could see what was going to happen. And you tried to help them. Oh, no, I've got it, I've got it, you know. <laughs> the next day. And it usually happens in the rinse tank. Most most cameras get flooded in the rinse tank. Yeah, because they've been messing around with them. 
Oh yeah, because oh, they had, you know they were talking, they were playing. But I'll just test it. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> no, I've done it on the descent and like looked at it and gone, oh bubbles, and then gone back up and just handed it to the boat. So guy. yeah, yeah. anyway, that's yeah. remember that first rule of underwater photography is don't take off unless you've got a sense of humour. Yeah, um, I've actually stepped it up a little bit with um, with ordering the you know this uh, this housing that I'm getting now. Uh, there you go, uh, sponsorship plug for Icolite. Boom. Um, <laughs> it's two one lease. Um, let's see, let's see if it works. Let's try the, it. The great thing, you know, the great thing about Icolite because you know you got the clear housing. You, yeah. you can see what it's wooded. I know. Yeah. Well, I've, I've I've taken it a stage further. I've I've actually ordered the uh, vacuum pump as well. Oh like, yeah, just, that's the best just to make yeah. sure. Yeah. 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 I. Uh, I, uh, I I used to travel with two housings and cameras. Yeah. Yeah. Be- before vacuum housings, uh, you know, the, the the vacuum systems came out. Yeah. Because you just didn't know, and if you were doing like an assignment or something where you had to, you had to produce images, um, you couldn't afford to risk flooding. So you know, there was a point there I was traveling with two housings and two cameras and two of everything almost. Yeah. Uh, just in case, but with vacuum, the vacuum systems are fantastic. Yeah. Well, the next thing I'm actually seriously keen, obviously, to get it underwater and have a play. Um, but I've never had a camera where I could do back button photos, uh, back button focus. So I'm looking forward to doing that. I think it's going to uh, pay off dividends. But we can, we in fact, we could do an entire episode on photography underwater at some point. Yeah, yeah. it's what it's one for you, Lisa. Okay. Yeah. Sure, because <laughs> maybe, maybe a step up from your GoPro. <laughs> Well, look, I seem to always dive with such fantastic photographers, so um, you don't need another one. So <laughs> you do. I do like the action shots, and you know, I, just, I don't know. I, I don't have the patience yeah. to take photography, and I, I take my I hat off to everyone that has the patience to just sit there and focus and and get amazing shots. Mm. I mean. Don, I have since our last podcast, I have Googled you and you are an amazing photographer. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and I even your I've even got some magazines that were sent to me with your um articles and amazing pictures, scuba diver. So I feel I'm not worthy. Would that would, <laughs> would that would that be the magazine that he's got uh, you know, he's the senior uh, travel editor for? Yes, yeah. Don. I am now. Yeah. I wasn't at the time. <laughs> Heads to the uh, Mexican Galapagos. So I believe yeah, that's yeah. Socorro. Yeah. So, yeah. And um, I'm just like, wow, you're kind of a big deal. <laughs> it's like the Don. He is. Don is Don the Don. Is good. Yeah, so well done. Well, that's, uh, that's very kind of you to say. I, um, I, I appreciate the comments, but. Uh, it's all genuine. Yeah, joking aside, mate, I mean, those photos yeah. that you've got, I know you've been sat there doing your editing. Well, you've got time to do it, but um, you flashed up a, a couple of the um, cuttlefish shots and then in particular the great white that uh, you just posted recently from being on the boat down at, uh, oh, what's that bay called? Paul Lincoln? Neptune Islands, yeah. Neptune Islands, yeah. 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 That's a cracking shot. Yeah, beautiful, absolutely beautiful photos. And you're so humble as well, besides you always throwing in some of your celebrity friends. Oh, I've just had lunch with Valerie Taylor. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you know, know, I went on a liverboard with Ron and Val, you know. (laughs) Well, what can I say, you know? I know. Uh, Can you say? Someone's got to do it, haven't they, Don? 
Yeah, it's, it's, it's just because I make it look easy doesn't mean it is, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Rodney Fox, how's your mate Rodney Fox? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but uh, uh, you know, the, 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 the camera enables, the, the technology, that's, what, that's my point, is that the, the technology is there in the cameras. Mm. Right, you've got to, you've got to know how to use that system, though, haven't you? That must that's you've got to force yourself to up that learning curve. Yeah. And uh, uh, you know, so many people, and I've done it myself. You know, you, you upgrade because you think you're not getting the results, mm. and it's it's not the camera; it's you. Mm. you, you yeah, do you know? 100%. Have you reached? Do you know where they are, and have you reached the boundaries of the technology that you currently own? Yeah. Well, this is the only right. reason I've stepped up on mine. Because I couldn't get any further with the G7X, I'd found the limitations, and you know it, it sounds a bit big-headed, but I've got a I've got a big head, so I'll take it. Um, but you know the amount of comments that people would say about photos that I take, and when they ask what the camera is, nine times out of ten, they're, they're quite surprised to hear that it's just a compact. Yeah, there's some really phenomenal images mm. taken with compact cameras. Yeah, um, there really is. The, the, there's uh, some. Um, up-and-coming photographers who get, particularly with macro, yes, um, who get just astounding images with uh, with compact cameras because they're small. The 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 sensor in the compact camera uh, is great for that situation where there isn't a huge amount of contrast. Mm. You know, if you're taking wide angle, then you've got to deal with the the ambient light and the the foreground so you you're exposing for two things uh and that's what the latest cameras are really really good at you know they've got excellent dynamic range yeah uh, as they call it uh you don't have that same capability as much capability in the compact cameras so but but they're perfect for macro they're great you know because they're nice and small and if you learn how to use them you can get some stunning images and there are uh um a number of uh, really, really good up-and-coming uh, photographers using uh, compact cameras, e- even iPhones, actually. They, mm. they speak oh, yeah, absolutely. Tremendous um, uh, macro images uh, with, with iPhones in housings. Yeah. Uh, in 2016, the wildlife photograph- photograph of the year was actually with a GoPro, and it was actually up the top of this really huge tree, and there was an orangutan, and they just set it yeah. up there. Um, and then an orangutan's just come up and just the view of just the orangutan and just, you know, with the height, mm. it won the wildlife photograph of the year and it was a GoPro. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But, but my, my philosophy is that um, uh, at this point in my in my life, as Matt keep, keeps pointing out, I'm not a young person anymore, you know. I hadn't even noticed, actually. But, you know. <laughs> but, but at this point in my life, um, I, I I want the quality. I, I want the – if if – a phenomenal opportunity comes along, mm. which means you've got to be in the water anyway. But if a phenomenal opportunity in the right place, uh, I want to be able. I, I want to have the capability to capture that moment. Yeah, do it justice. If I don't capture it, it's not because of the camera; it's because of me. Yes, right. So that's that. That's why I do what I do, and I have what I have, and go go through the. You know, it's a pain traveling with all this stuff. It really is a pain. Yeah. Well, I for me, it's worth it. It's worth the hassle of all the rest of it to have that capability in case it happens, in case that moment happens. Um, as a side note, just talking about traveling, because as you know, I, I do a lot of expeditions as well, or did do until 
world went into lockdown. What I found was um, carrying all the equipment. If I take um, your carry-on bag, but then also have a camera bag, as in the shoulder-slung ones, that I've never once been stopped and asked for it to be weighed. They just treat it as a man purse. Um, there was a, I, I would agree with that. I, I have um, – oh, Qantas isn't listening on anyway. <laughs> well, one of the reasons I go to the gym on a regular basis is that I can, so I can stand there and check in and pretend this weight on my back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if I fell over, I can't get up. You know, it's like <laughs> I'm, I'm there for days. Some people have to get the thing off my back, but but the the yeah, uh, it, it, it's not foolproof. I've been caught out. What I got made in Bali was you know you know, you know those daggy well you know the the phot- photographers' vests. Yeah, my wife uh, laughs at me when I even bring it out. But anyway, <laughs> I got one of those modified in Bali, so it's got these great big pockets, right? Yeah. And I carry it, so I have a backpack. With you know my camera and blah blah blah, blah. and then I have like a small like a roll-on bag mm. that I'm just kind of wheel along, you know, um, pretending there's nothing in it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and I um, and I used to have my housings in there, yeah, whatever you know. Uh, but I've been caught. I got and the worst I've ever been caught is in Dubai coming back from the Azores, I think it was, and they had a policy in Dubai for a while where strictly nine kilos really? carry Strictly, yeah. 9.1, no, we told you nine kilos. So I, I went through like a Christmas tree. I, did, I got, I luckily, had this thing with me. <laughs> and, and, and I had, you know, I, I was like a Christmas tree. The, 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 the look on the person's face as I walked towards him with all these things hanging off me <laughs> was, was priceless, you know. But I got through. I got through. That's the worst. And, and I tell you, the other place where it's really, really straight is Brisbane. Really? Going to New Guinea. Yeah, I've had all sorts of problems at Brisbane. I've never had one. Yeah, strange. But then I I did get asked um, about the the carry-on. I think it was either seven or nine kilos, something like that. Um, But they checked that one, um, and they didn't check the the camera bag that was slung on my shoulder, which was 11 kilos. Yeah. Alternatively, you could just wear all your clothes. Oh, I've got a mate in, in Thailand, Lindsay, Lindsay Trafford. She's as mad as a box of frogs. Lovely girl. Um, she got on a plane in her BC because uh, her bag was overweight. <laughs> I would totally do that. Brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> Classic Lindsay. G'day, Scooby Goat listeners. Rod here, producer of the show. I hope that you're enjoying this episode and that you're subscribed and following the pod on your favourite app. Please keep an eye out for the all-new Scooby Goat website coming soon. Now, back to Matt and the show. Do either of you guys follow Simon Pearce on uh, yeah, Twitter and Facebook and whatnot? Absolutely, Have you yeah. Seen? He's I know he's got his book launch. Well, he's got his book launch coming up um, later this month. So he's putting up, it seems to be daily now, um, just sciencey, geeky information about the Welsh sharks, and there's so much shit there that I've I never even knew. It's fantastic. Yeah. Um, he's he's he's, uh, he's a legend, Simon. He's, he, he does, he's so knowledgeable. Yeah, uh, you know him but, as well, he, Don. He, he, he's got the best dad <laughs> joke you've ever heard in your life, you know. And uh, he, he's just got this fantastic way of uh, presenting it all. He's he's a legend. Yeah. Is that, another, is that another one of your celebrity friends, Don? <laughs> well, what can I say? 
Actually, I, I met Simon in uh, Mozambique back in 2010 yeah. over a beer. Uh, I sat and uh, chatted with him, and uh, that's how I sort of you know, got to know him, man, and I've kept in touch since. He's just a lovely guy. He is. He's brilliant. Yeah. But there's uh, anyone who's listening, look him up on Twitter or Facebook and uh, yeah. check out some of those posts because they're awesome. Yeah, yeah. and he's, he's big on Instagram. He's got a lot of followers on Instagram. He, yeah, uh, I know. Yeah. Yeah. He's... Um, there's that video that he he I uh, saw I think yesterday that he posted. Um, they were taking blood samples. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah, and so there's there's a new way that they do it, which is which is amazing. It's yeah. um, I feel like I, I've never met Simon, but I know I feel like I know so many people that know him, and mm, yeah. everyone says he sounds hilarious. Oh yes, he's, 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 he's hilarious. funny. Uh, he's very knowledgeable. He's very you know um, humble. Really, you know he. he, he he just—he's just brilliant. I love the guy; he's fantastic. Yeah. You know, he was great. He was great talking to when he came on the podcast. And um, I'm hoping his Instagram followers will, will listen to his episode, and that'll put uh, that'll put me downloads up to <laughs> at least double. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don, have you? Did you manage to watch Envoy Shark Call yet? No, last night. No, no. I'd, uh, we. Uh, we had other things, yeah. Oh, I, do, don't want, I don't want to know about that. I, I, I will do it. I promise. I promise. I'll I'll get there. It'll change your life. It's it's such a, a great documentary. Um, totally biased, being from Sea Shepherd, but um, no, it's really well put together. And um, you know, Jono from the Apex campaign, who is has also been on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, he's just great in it. And um, I, I read the reviews after you, you know I'd missed it. I did. I, I must be honest, I hadn't heard of it mm-hmm. until you mentioned it the uh, uh, last week. And then I, I checked the reviews, and it, it does seem to be uh, very good. But I just haven't got round to it yet. I, I had to get some other stuff out that um, I promised. So uh, that was the priority. Yeah. But yeah, it's on the list for next week. Like you say, that's the thing. It's just getting getting the knowledge out there that it's available to be viewed, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and it's yeah. it's so important that these things are done and we raise collectively, as those of us who are interested in, in the underwater world, uh, get the word out. It's, you know, it's, as we were saying the other day, there's so much really bad stuff going on that isn't seen. It's below the water. Who goes there? It just does. And we, we only see a fraction of it. We, we we only see a tiny fraction of what's going on, uh, and it's it's horrendous, really. Uh, yeah. So the more that's done, and the more this word gets out, you know, the better we'll be. Because the only the, the only way it's going to change is, I think you mentioned it yesterday. Uh, they say, you know, it's commercial pressure. Yeah, absolutely. That's the only thing that will uh, that will change, and the only way you're going to get commercial pressure is if you get an awareness out there. People, you know, people bolt with the wallets, basically, don't they? Yeah. Well, for for anyone who's not seen or isn't even aware of Envoy Shark Call yet, um, we had Andre Borrell on last week, who's the director of the show, and um, there's a, a rather good lineup of cast on the show. Uh, who you know, Lisa knows probably all of them, um, and it's well worth the watch. And it's speci- it's specifically focusing on the use of drum lines and nets in Queensland and New South Wales, which I assume, you know, people that aren't Australian are going to um, not be too concerned with because it's not their country, but it has a knock-on effect across the globe. So I think it's something that everybody needs to see. 
and everybody needs to see to actually cause the government to have a little bit of um, embarrassment and force them into action because they're indiscriminately killing animals that don't need to be killed and those that are being logged as as caught in the nets and and killed or euthanized as they put it um, there's not a mention of the bycatch and i can only imagine the figures of what gets caught in in these nets is just ludicrous mm, and that's unfortunately a lot of sharks are dying as a result of 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 bycatch um first of september is when the nets go back into the water so they take them out for for whaling and um it, yeah they they go back in first of september so what do you mean they take them out that. for whaling they, they t- sorry, not for whaling sorry <laughs> <laughs> my um they take them out for the whale migration uh, okay. so they take the nets out so the whales can go past and then they put them back in for the first of September, getting ready for the warmer waters mm. to what they perceive as, as keeping humans safe in the water. But as we, you know, when, when you see that in Envoy Sharkal, it's not the case at all. Yeah. It's just this false sense of security and governments have actually admitted that shark nets are not effective. Mm. Well, I think, I think Andre's done a fantastic job putting it all together. Agreed. Tells, Agreed. Us, tells the story brilliantly. Um, and sea spiracy as well. I've, I've sea shepherd feature um, quite predominantly in sea spiracy. We were talking about sea spiracy the other day, and um, Don, I know you had some really good thoughts about sea spiracy. You've seen it recently. So l- let me just uh, put the perspective here on the context: was that um, uh, I'm uh, I was a pescatarian. I, I stopped eating. <laughs> eating meat a long time ago, back in about 2009. And uh, I think that's one of the best decisions I've ever made. Um, because the more you learn about how meat's produced, the less appetising it seems to me, uh, and the less healthy. Uh, the majority of meat, that is. Mm. Um, and, um, but I, I, I kind of figured that fish was okay. And he, even though I spent a lot of time underwater, I, I, I felt that, you know, fish was a healthy alternative to provide protein mm. uh, and enjoy it. Uh, and then I watched Sea Spiracy, and both my wife and I, you know, changed our views. Uh, my wife's not a vegetarian, but you know, she <laughs> she only cooks once per night. <laughs> 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 so tends to, you know, tends to eat what I eat, yeah. and um, you know, it changed my whole perspective. Uh, but and I hadn't really heard of it before. I hadn't, you know, I don't watch that much television. Mm. I, do, I never used to watch it before, <laughs> before all these lockdowns. <laughs> <You're> ne- <laughs> I'm a world expert on Netflix. Netflix. Ma- uh, massive now. <laughs> <laughs> but the, anyway, the point was, I, I kind of stumbled on Sea Spiracy and watched it. And then I, I Googled it and I realized how much dialogue it stirred up and there was a lot of controversy about it you know is this guy telling the right story how you know blah 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 you know and and so uh, you know my view on it was that well it's a documentary that's what isn't that what documentaries are supposed to do mm-hmm. you know it's 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 not um, you know it, it's there to educate from somebody's viewpoint I suppose uh, but that's what I think but I was really keen to understand what Lisa thinks because of her involvement with Sea Shepherd, et cetera, and a strong conservation bias. Uh, 
I, I, I just want wanted to ask you the question without hijacking you. Um, you know what you what you think of all that, uh, the area that it brought a, a focus onto. Yeah, well, being part of Sea Shepherd, um, I've had more idea of what's going on. But I, I think with Sea Spiracy, it was the way that they did it. Um, he spoke to so many different facets and he brought up a lot of issues that I think the general public, you know, as you said, don't really know about it. Right. And so just how huge the fishing industry is and how it's been well protected by by governments and um, organised criminal organisations, um, yeah. which is... Which is really disheartening because when there's so many of those kinds of people involved, it's like, how do we stop it? How do we, we how do we protect the ocean? And I, I guess it's supply and demand. And the simple solution is not to eat seafood. And that's as much as people enjoy it. Um, I, I just, it's not sustainable. Mm-hmm. I think it's. Um, there isn't such thing as sustainable fishing, and that's exactly what Seaspiracy says, that even though we've been greenwashed into believing that we can actually sustainably eat seafood, that's just basically businesses just just buying that idea without actually, without proper regula- regulation. I mean, fishermen can do what they like out in the open ocean and it's not properly regulated. Yeah, These right. huge trawlers are just taking millions of tons of fish out of the ocean that's just not sustainable and all the bycatch they're they're getting at each turn that they're just throwing away and it's just it's just a huger issue that has just been covered up for so long and and it's documentaries such as this one that shines a huge spotlight on it and makes us question our own practices well, I don't, I don't it's uncomfortable. I don't understand how the companies can call themselves sustainable fishing as well because, as you know, I got approached by an Alaskan uh, fishing company to come on the show to um, air their views on their sustainable um, fishing plans that they've got and how fantastic it is. And it timed in with Seaspiracy coming out as well. So as soon as Seaspiracy hit the, the big screen, then I'm, I'm getting the, the knock on the, the, on the proverbial door through email can I come on the show? And I had a quick look into the company, who shall remain nameless for now, but um, they they professed, and it's on their homepage, they profess to be uh, sustainable. But then when you look into their their partners that they work with, the companies that they work with, yes, they're using small fishing vessels that are family-run to go out and catch the fish. But what they're doing is sending out barges, effectively floating freezers so that the fishing vessels can stay out on the further distant reefs to make the catch and then bring the catch back via the the barge freezer. Now, there's no way on God's green earth is that sustainable. That is commercial, 100%. And it's just really sad that you can actually buy that label. You can buy that, you know, sustainably fished. You can buy the the tuna safe tuna, which... Hmm blew my mind because I, I, being a vegan, I still buy tuna for my cat. Um, Dolphin dolphin safe tuna. Dolphin safe, I'm sorry. Yeah, dolphin safe tuna. And you just think, oh, I'm doing a good thing because I'm guaranteeing that there are no dolphins that are being caught up Mm. to catch this tuna. So, you know, it's it's 
the better evil. Um, but then with seaspiracy, um, they can't guarantee at all that there are no dolphins killed in that process. And I just thought, wow, that's we're being lied to because it's it's uncomfortable. It's an uncomfortable and it's inconvenient. People like, as you said, Don. People like the taste of seafood. People want the the choice to just go out to the supermarket and buy it but it's just in reality it's not sustainable i I think the thing for me was that um i'd had exposure to various elements of what was talked about in what was you know discussed in seaspiracy or what was presented in seaspiracy so i've personally spent a lot of time in china i lived there for a couple of years and you know um I, you know, I've been to Sharp Finn restaurant. I didn't eat it, but I, went, I was there, you know, with, with colleagues and all the rest of it. So, and these are like industrial-sized restaurants, you know, the huge places that you go into that because um, it's such a, you know, status symbol. Yeah. And then, you know, I've seen the impact of, uh, you know, no sharks in places like Indonesia where, uh, you talk to people who were there, you know, Valerie Taylor, <laughs> again. Oh, there we go. Sorry. sorry. It's sorry, only been five but... minutes. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you talk to people like that, iconic people who were there, bef- you know, years before anybody else, and what they saw, and I, I, I've not seen that. Yeah. You know, I've, I've been going to places like that for 20 years, and I, I, I've not seen anything like they described it. Yeah. You know, and then because I read a lot, I, I, you know, I've read different things. And then you hear, you know, about the uh, almost slave labor that goes on in these fishing. Yeah, places. that's it was so sad that. And, and people disappearing. Mm. Yeah. You know, there's a, have you heard about friends of Keith Davis? He, he was a, he was an inspector. He disappeared. You know, so the, the, but the, the, all these were things in isolation, shall we say. And what C. Smithy did was put together a narrative around it all that kind of explained it. it not perfect, but it, it's doing, for me, it was doing a very valuable job. It certainly changed my opinion on things. I thought, I've got to stop eating so much fish. Yeah. I'm not giving it all completely, but I've cut right down. Yeah, well, that, that's great. It's, it's the only way, isn't it? You, you, you've got to vote with your wallet. Yeah, because Sir David Attenborough did say that if we keep at the rate that we're going, there will be no seafood in the ocean by, I think it's 2038, and that's a really scary, scary day. It is. It's, 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 it's horrendous. that, all, And all that stuff's going on <laughs> beneath the waves, so nobody knows. Yeah. yeah. They can get away with so much that's unseen. And it's well, all Sea in. Shepherd knows, don't they? they? They work with governments around the world. So one of their biggest campaigns is in West Africa where they work with governments there because, as you saw in Seaspiracy, there's, you know, villages there that they have to go out into the open ocean to, to catch for their village because they're competing against all these massive big trawlers, these international trawlers. Um, so sea, spirits, uh, um, sea Shepherd are working with those governments in West Africa to try and arrest these uh, illegal fishing vessels. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and at this stage they're not getting huge, well, if they do get fines, they're just they're just not paying it and there's, there's a lot of confusion as to who, who owns these vessels, yeah. who's, who's responsible. It's like everything's fluid. It just, they just, you know, they've got, you know, it's like, 
it's it, the only way is to raise the awareness. And, I mean, if you look at shark finning, uh, shark, shark uh, fins, the consumption of shark fin soup in China, uh, that's it's not eliminated, but it's gone down a lot because of the way uh, the Chinese have been educated about it, made aware. Yao Ming, the 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 basketball player, you know, Houston Astros, ex-Houston Astros, who's a megastar in China, he he's done a phenomenal job of uh, helping raise awareness and because he is so well-known, so popular. Uh, it's had a, a major impact to the point where, as I understand it from what I've read, the, 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 you know, the, the younger generation of Chinese um, don't go there anymore. They don't, you know, they, they, they see it as a bad thing yeah. rather than status symbol. Mm. So it, we, it's, it's incumbent upon all of us who love the ocean to do whatever we can. And the most powerful thing we can do, I guess, is... Is one vote vote with your wallet, and the second is to share that awareness. Yeah, absolutely. And and they do shark fin in Australia as well. A lot of people don't think they do, but they actually yeah, do. Yeah. Right on our Great Barrier Reef. And the only way that we're going to stop it is to to write to our local governments and demand that this stops. You know what? That's a perfect lead in, Lisa. Thank you very much for that. Um, Pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> I actually want to give a huge shout out to Senator Peter Wish Wilson. This guy is, for me, a bloody legend. You know, um, he's a politician, but he's saying what needs to be said, and he said it in Parliament as well. Um, now, I was only looking this afternoon because I was going to mention he's he's already put a um, a comment out saying that. There's going to be research into harmful impacts of seismic testing in the Senate inquiry next week. And then ABC reports on to go about how much uh, catch is down for, for whiting and whatnot down at uh, Lake's entrance. Uh, and that's where the French company CGG are conducting seismic survey for oil and gas at the moment. And this is all being done whilst the pandemic is in the headline news. So it's it's literally been done behind the curtain, as it were. But going on from that, that's the bit I was going to shout him out for, but the bit I saw today was that he stood in Parliament um, and made a statement and questioned uh, Senator Jane Hume and asked her if she can put her hand on her heart and say that we're doing the utmost for climate control in Australia. And she replied, and she did. She put her hand on her heart and said, we, you know, and she kind of came back and said, what could we do on our own to improve? And then went on to comment in the usual politician's way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he was directly asking about fossil fuels. And she went on to say how good or the, the good that the government's done with regards to uh, cots crown of thorns, water quality, plastics, rehabilitating, island coastal habitats, quotes on water quality reports from 2019. But she didn't say one bloody thing about the direct question, which was about what we're doing to reduce the fossil fuels. It's absolutely ludicrous. Um, For one, politicians can just stand there and say what they want and, and disregard a direct question. But then I do want to set aside Senator Peter Wish Wilson because he stood there and asked those direct questions that need to be asked. And this needs to be asked on a regular basis so that the politicians are put under the thumb uh, uh, or the thumb screws on and 
they have to be forced to do what needs to be done. Yeah, absolutely. And I hear that if you directly write letters to your member of parliament, it's more effective than writing emails. Yeah. Because they get so many emails, so it's very rare for people to get letters. So if you want things to change, everyone needs to start writing letters. And and we need more senators. Yeah. Well, if it's anything like like, um, embassies, if you write a letter to an embassy, it has to be registered as an official document. So I'm only assuming that it must be the same when you're writing to Parliament. So I would urge anyone to write a letter, especially if you're in lockdown and bored, just write one every day. But, yeah. you know, she, um, you've only got to look at the, uh, when was it, uh, 2020, they did the Climate Change Performance Index. And Australia is the sixth worst performing country out of 57 countries that were assessed. It's embarrassing. So how can she stand there hand on heart and say we're doing our best? Well done, Peter. And he's also the best looking MP as well. Oh, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, when you when you you're into the environment and you're so passionate, I think, you know, that's 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 good looking in anyone's books, I think. Oh, so it's just a bonus that he's a good looking chap that rides a surfboard, is it? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> No one's listening. <laughs> uh, so that's uh, that's one shout out. There's another shout out I'd like to do. Have either of you heard about the School Reef Guardians program? Sounds familiar. Yeah. Yeah, and they're effectively um, it's it's something that's been created by the Great Barrier Marine Parks Authority to try and um, encourage schools into projects to do with the reefs and and the GBR. Uh, and just you know get that education going so as much as i've got a bit of a a thing with um the great barrier marine parks authority over shark nets and stuff like that i do think they're doing a good thing here now this woman uh, i've been communicating with her for a couple of months now she's so active and enthusiastic that she's a, a school teacher and she's been diving and she takes the videos and shows her kids and then she's now taken the lead role in her school where she works at uh, what was it Southern Cross Catholic College, and she takes uh, or she organises um, group training sessions for the kids with remote area dive centre, and they qualify the kids to open water, so they actually experience being in the water and get qualified, so they can they can actively get involved rather than just sitting in a classroom, and I think it's bloody fantastic. And, and going on from that, she's now um, she's just recently been endorsed to be part of the local marine advisory committee in Townsville. So, Excellent. You know, you don't have to be a politician. You don't have to be a scuba expert or you know a senior travel editor to make a difference. Um, <laughs> uh, so, a big shout out to uh, Miss or Mrs. Sky Elizabeth Carroll. Well done, lady. Oh, well done, well done. done Sky. That's amazing. Yeah. Oh, and that's a, exactly what Don was saying is that when you're seeing it yourself, you want to protect it and you, you, you understand how important it is and that's just amazing. Mm. And uh, it's our younger generations that is, is definitely going to make the difference. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And Don looks like he's frozen there. Have we lost him? <laughs> I think we've bored him. <laughs> We've bought him to death. <laughs> He's frozen in time. Hey, oh, you're you, back. hey there he is. <laughs> yeah, I, I want you as well. There must be something on the uh, on the uh, uh, on the tinsel web. 
<laughs> Did we lose you for a moment, mate? Yeah, uh, you. you uh, I could hear you, but um, there was no video. Ah, uh, well, that's not always a bad thing. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it was a pleasant break from you, anyway, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> Get away from my abuse. Hey, now, yeah. uh, Mister Senior Travel Editor, um, I was I was chatting with. Um, Alex, Alex Whitley Wilson over at Master Liverboards Blue O2 the other day, and he's given me a heads up on a few bits and pieces that are happening, a uh, little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. Um, so uh, with regards to what's going on around the world and, and, and travel, um, now he says, he gave me a little report and Galapagos Master, that's now back in full swing and there's no quarantine for vaccinated travellers. So if you can get to the Galapagos, it's a good time to go now because there's some huge discounts just to fill the boats. Um, Phuket in Thailand, that's open to travellers because of the Sandbox programme. And they reckon that possibly by October, it's going to get busier again going into the traditional high season. Um, And there's no need for travellers to quarantine at Phuket either as long as they stay on Phuket Island and don't travel further into Thailand. Um, Palau is opening in September. However, there's only one flight a week from Guam, so that one's going to be a bit restrictive. Um, I think uh, Master Liverboards are going to hold off until December just to see which way the mop flops with the, with the flights and whatnot. And then in the Maldives and the Red Sea, uh, they're both open, mainly for EU travellers at the moment, I think. Um, but you do still need to quarantine, so it's a bit of a pain in the backside. But keep an eye on it. It might uh, they might drop the uh, the ruling on that one soon. And then the Bahamas is uh, open, and Master Liverboards are going to start operating again from late September. So there's a little bit of light going on. Um, I know this COVID malarkey keeps coming back and forth, but um, I think the world is trying. Hopefully, we'll get there and be able to travel again soon. Yeah, I I, I think we're by Q four. I mean, right now it's like. Oh my goodness! You know, mm. is there no end to this? But um, I think we're up to twenty-two percent fully vaccinated now, uh, which is obviously a long way behind a lot of other countries. But we're going in the right direction, and we seem to be moving quickly. And uh, the vaccines are coming in now. Apparently, a million doses a week are coming in from uh, uh, from next week, is what I read. Mm. Uh, so, I, I, my I'm a I'm a glass half full eternal optimist uh, and despite the dark days that we're in right now I mean it is depressing isn't it right now you, you, know, you can't do anything and whenever you try to organise anything or you know Lady Elliot or <laughs> <laughs> yeah but you you Don do you like you, another, can I get uh, you a Kleenex uh, oh my god uh, <laughs> do you know what Don you are definitely the Indiana Jones of dodging bloody lockdowns aren't you the, the lockdown gauntlet dodger because you seem to have your beautiful holiday I, I and come back in <laughs> I have my moments but um, no I, I, I as as the kind of depressing and demoralising as it is now. You can't plan anything. and you know. Yeah. Um, I think we'll be in a different place by the time we get to uh, around about October, November. We, you know, the optimism will be rising. And, mm. and uh, you know, as soon as our borders are open, um, you know, I'll be, <laughs> I'll be up like a shot. And what's, your, what's your intentions? Are you going to, once the dust settles, are you going to go back to... Bali, you're going to stay in Sydney longer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, as soon as we can, we're going to uh, we're going to go back to Bali. There's obviously 
things are a bit dire in Indonesia. Well, mm. Mainly, you know, greater Indonesia, shall we say. But Bali seems to be reasonable as such. Yeah. I intend to travel. That's why I personally held back for Pfizer. Uh, I Because I, you know, it's my intention to travel and everything I've read. Yeah. Pfizer is the most efficacious uh, to protect me when I... When I get going again. Yeah, I've yeah, got, got my little SMS invite. I think it's 23rd of September to, to get jabbed up. Right. So I'll do that as and when. I've got my second one um, uh, a week on, two weeks on Wednesday, second Pfizer. So I've got some protection now, but I'm, I'm keeping a very low profile and, and sticking to the rules. And yeah, whatever. yeah. It's, it's not difficult, is it? I think we should all book trips the same time as Don because he seems to have them <laughs> where the rest of us don't. So when are you well, going? I was most interested when you said about going aboard Rodney Fox in February because I, I, I've got some time in February and I, I was looking at it's just oh, the day I was looking. Book on, please, so I know I'm guaranteed <laughs> to go. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've still got my Galapagos trip that I was meant to take in March last year, but – since, did you hear about, what, two months now, um, the big arch, yeah. the Darwin yeah, arch yeah, collapsed yeah. Yeah. and I, I never got to see it. So that was that was really upsetting because, you know, it's gone now. Well, be, you'll be some of the first people to see the Darwin pillars instead of the Darwin arch. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's still underwater. I'll carry them up. Yeah. No, 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 never do that. No, <laughs> just joking. Um Okay, I think we'll close it out, gang. But, um, is, there any, is there anything happening with Sea Shepherd over the next few weeks that we need to be aware of at all? It seems to be that um, promoting Envoy Shark Cull, so if you can see it in cinemas, see it. If not, wait for it. Hopefully it will be Hopefully, it'll be on Netflix sometime soon in the future. If, you, if, you're, not luck, if you're lucky enough to see it in the cinema, please go out and see it. Um, but, you know, all on, on our side, on the East Coast, we're all locked down. So, unfortunately, it's a bit of a pause on events. But we'll be, soon as we're allowed to, we'll be out there in the markets raising money for Sea Shepherd. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what, what about yourself, Don? Have you got uh, many articles coming up in uh, Scuba Diver magazine? Yeah, I've got um, I've got quite a few coming up, actually. Uh, one's on... Um, uh, <laughs> Uh, I've done an overview of Bali, Diving Bali. Uh, it'll be in the, I think, the next issue. Uh, then I've got my five, I did a series of four on Papua New Guinea. But the last one of that coming out, that's the the wrecks mm. of, uh, of Papua New Guinea. And then I've got some other stuff coming out in uh, on the UK uh, a, a version of um, Scuba Diver. You know, there's, uh, there's different ones. And, uh, yeah, and I've just got the uh, front cover of X-Ray, actually, X-Ray magazine in Europe with... Uh, uh, Australian leafy sea dragon and now it's going on Rugby Bay. Uh, yeah. So yeah, it's um, I've got stuff stuff coming. I've, ju- uh, I've also just done a big profile on uh, Andrew Fox, um, who um, I got to know from the trips I've done um, down there uh, over the last eight months. Mm. Uh, really interesting guy. Uh, I know you're thinking about him on, um, or you're trying to get him on the, to a podcast. He's yeah. a fascinating guy. He's he's forty years of experience with great whites. Plus he's He's got an academic background. It's kind of unique, really, mm. because, you know, he's got the uh, – how many other people have got 40 years' worth of uh, Great White Shah experience and an academic background? Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, he's he's a really interesting guy when you get time to him. I had a good chat with him on the phone when we you know when we when we started talking. I had a good chat with him, and he's keen to come on the show. But I know he was busy at the time. Um, speaking of speaking of uh, coming on soon, um, just just so you know, um, big crescendo, big drum drum roll, the whole shebang. Um, next week, Doctor Sylvia Earl. That'd be a big one, really. Oh, fantastic one. Yeah, one of my all-time favourite superstar people of this world. I cannot yeah. wait. So excited. Yeah, yeah. She's the, she's done so much for ocean conservation. Mm. She's one of my heroes. I'm so excited to hear that one. She's she's just so calm when she speaks, and she knows all her stuff. I've heard her speak before live, and she's captivating. So you, yeah. It's, uh, you, you probably could speak to her for about three, four hours. She's just got so And much I'm knowledge. happy to do so. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like having a normal conversation with me, right? Oh, no. Well, poor. She'll, she'll be going good if she could keep up with you, Lise. <laughs> well, yeah, isn't it good? I, I can talk underwater, so I guess that's why scuba diving is good for my friends, hey? <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, I think we'll conclude. Um, Lisa, Don, cheers, guys. Bye. Bye, everybody. This is Scuba Goat Under the Sea, the podcast for the inquisitive diver.